Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. You are listening to episode 174 of the Mamas con Ganas podcast. Today, I interviewed Linda Garcia. Linda helps the Latinx community heal the generational money wounds that prevent them from achieving wealth. She says her spiritual journey led her to what she considers her life's purpose. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, Linda launched her first stock market course for beginners and created a rapidly growing community of Latinx investors. Today, Linda is a published children's book author, a self-made business owner, and a guiding loose for thousands of BIPOC who are looking to break free from limiting and toxic money mentalities. Linda's book, Wealth Warrior, is set to be released on April 11th, 2023. Today we talk spirituality and creating wealth. Hey, mamacita, welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey, mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. On this episode of the Mamas Con Ganas podcast, I'm interviewing Linda Garcia, author, course creator, influencer. I mean, you have a whole list of things. <laughs> Linda, welcome to the Mamas Con Ganas podcast. Valentina, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here. I look forward to speaking to you and, of course, the mamacitas listening yes. to us today. I'm so excited. Okay, so today is the first day of March and we're talking about this month on the Mamas Conanas podcast is all about money. So I love it. Is why I brought her here. Okay. This is actually it came this interview came out of like it literally fell on my lap. This is just to show you mamacitas that things like when you were in the right vibration things just come. And I have been we met like what back in 2016 right Linda? Yes. Yes. At the We All Grow conference and back then you were doing very things that are like other things, right? But always yeah, very the, different. Very different. But before we go into um, all the amazing things that you do, can you tell our mamacitas where you're from, where you grew up? Absolutely. So I am from California. I grew up in the San Juan Capistrano area. And I've actually been dabbling back and forth in my life several times between California and, and Texas, Dallas, Texas. So I kind of feel like I'm this hybrid between a Tejana and a Cali girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like the mix. <laughs> yes. Very cool. So now, because I don't know even where, know where to start the story. Let's maybe start because I was asking you before the podcast. I know you have an avatar, right? Called Loose Warrior. Yes. You've been in the spiritual quest for quite some time. Yes. Let's start Let's start there. Where did your spiritual okay. quest, where it started, how it came about? Because I think it will take us to where you are right now in terms of, you know, teaching our community, the Hispanic and the Latino, Latino, Latinx community about their relationship with money and how to become abundant. But let's start there. Your spiritual, like, commencement. Yes. Let's start. 
So <laughs> it started really early on in life, which I love that for myself because it gave me so much time to explore it and really hone in on what that meant for me. Um, I grew up with a very Catholic mother and semi-Catholic father, but you know, la mujer domina. So it was what mommy said. That's what we were doing. And um, I was getting ready for to do my communion, my first communion. And I had to go to CCD classes. And when I started CCD classes, I remember feeling like this isn't it. This is not it. And I was probably 11 years old at the time. And um, I came home from CCD, I think the second CCD class, and told my mom, I am not going to do my first communion. <laughs> and she's like, you don't get to decide whether you do your first communion or not. This is like something that we have to do so that you can go to heaven. Otherwise, you're not going to go to heaven, you know? And I was like, I don't believe that in my heart. And I'm not going to do it. Like, you're not going to make me do it. I need you to understand that because I believe that God is something different from what they're saying. And I think in that moment, she was in such disbelief because she was listening to me stand firm in what I was believing. And it's like in some miraculous way, she just like moved out of my way. Well, you were only 11. I was only 11. That's crazy. Like you really were in touch with like, okay, there's something here that, that does not work. Yes. At least not for me. Yeah. I didn't resonate with me. And I would spend a lot of time across the street from our home. There was this lovely Creek with horses and Hills. And I would every single day after school head straight to the, that area. And I would just, ground myself in the earth. And so many times I would think like, this is where God is. Like, this is God. These so you, things you are You felt God. connected to spirit, even though like, you know, you were sort of rejecting that aspect of yourself. You were just saying, I, I'm already able to be connected with God. Yes. Yeah. And spending a lot of time at night, laying in my bed, looking out the window, looking at the moon and the stars, or laying outside, I would also go outside. We had like this patchy grass area outside and I would just lay there and stare up at the stars and just like dive into space and think like all these things that surround me, this is what God is. So yeah, I did a lot of earthing and a lot of um, really just critical thinking as a really young child. And so that really propelled me into looking at different religions. I read the Bible from cover to cover. Like I just wanted to really, I went into Buddhism and looked at Kabbalah and just explored all of these different religions. And I really was just looking for, I also had a very traumatic life experience. So I was looking for healing um, and trying to make sense of my traumas, trying to make sense of my life. And not succumbing to all of the negative traumatic things that happened to me and become like a victim of them, but instead understand why God would have someone go through these types of experiences. That was my quest. Wow, that's very mature of you. So at, a, at such a young age, um, I think a lot of times it's easier for people to, 
to sort of make themselves the victim of their circumstances and then feel sorry for themselves, right? I think that sometimes that's like the go-to um, when we experience such hardships. So I commend you for like knowing inside yourself that there was something that you needed to heal, that you wanted to heal and that you were going to commit yourself to doing. Yeah. And I think that I knew deep down inside that I hadn't been abandoned, although at times I did feel abandoned, but that I, but that there was some, there was like a light inside that wasn't bright yet. It was like a little tiny light that I wanted to explore and move closer towards instead of, instead of staying in the darkness. So I was in search of that. Like, I know you're there. I know you love me. I know you want something better for me. I'm going to find you. If you're not going to find me, I'm going to find you. Wow. And then when we met, you were doing a red tent. Please explain to everybody what that even is. Because I think most people, most women have never experienced this. And it was my first time uh, when you did the red tent at We All Grow. And I thought it was like the coolest experience. So let, tell us a little bit about that and how you got yes. it. Yes. Yeah. So I... Um, got my period <laughs> one day, like we all do. And I'm, I receive clear messages from my intuition. That's another thing. I think that's the inner voice that guides me to say no communion, do this, do that. Um, so I received my period and I remember my intuition very clearly said, look at the moon, look at where the moon is. Mind you, I, I didn't even like I loved the moon as a child, but I abandoned the moon during this time. So I hadn't even reconnected with the moon again. It was the moon and I had a profound experience as a child, but then I disconnected. And my intuition said very clearly, look at the moon today. This isn't a coincidence. Your period today is not a coincidence. So I go and look, find a moon chart and I see that it's a new moon, the first day of a new moon. And that leads me down a rabbit hole of understanding why I have my period on the new moon. Apparently, this is the way it used to be before we had electricity and before we were bombarded with, um, you know, uh, hormones, external hormones, like birth control and things like that. And uh, in ancient times, we used to hold red, red tents. The red tent appears in the Bible. The red tent appears in like Asian history. The red tent has appeared everywhere in, in different cultures ac across the world. And so what would take place is that women were dismissed of all of their chores. It was the most um, like revered time for a woman to be in her uh, bleeding and on her period so they would gather all of the women, children that were breastfeeding uh, and, and like needed to be with their mothers were allowed, but children that didn't need to be with their mothers and could be taking care of their fathers were outside of the tent. So little girls were not allowed into the tent until they were actually bleeding, which was then a ceremony. Like you get to now be in the tent. And society, the men would gather all of the problems that they had that they needed to figure out amongst their tribe, amongst their societies, and hand over the problems to the women. And the women, it was believed that the women could speak to God during this time. It was such a sacred time. So they would bleed together in the tent and then uh, come up with solutions and come up with and rest and feast. And no house chores, no nothing else. 
Oh my gosh, like, exactly what I want to do when I have my period. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I just want to no. yes. and I want to rest. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, why don't we know about this? Why isn't this mainstream information? And I feel like it has been now, but back when I was when I came upon this, I didn't know anybody that knew about this. And I started to speak to community about it. And I had a podcast at the time, Let There Be Loose. Yes, Yes, and I would just share like, this was what was happening. How, how can we reconnect to this? How can we learn from this? You know, how can we honor this time instead of hate it so much? Because um, that's the thing. Now it's almost like it's gone to the opposite extreme where it's almost like it's considered an annoyance or like, Oh, I'm on my period. Almost like it's a disability. Right. Yeah. This negative connotation to it. It's interesting. I have never had a, a negative um, relationship with my period. I've always felt inside me that it's a moment of cleansing. So when, I don't know, I've never had, like I said, a negative, you know, relationship with it. I've always been like, okay, it's time to clean. And, uh, you know, I love like that a renewal of, of sorts. But yeah, that will be that most people around me are like, oh, I'm a period. Like, I don't like this. <laughs> you intuitively knew yeah. you knew this was this is a renewal. My energy is going to come back when this is done. So many incredible things can happen while you're on your period. You can set intentions. A lot of women use the phrase, let me bleed on it before they make decisions. So if if they have like a really big decision to make, they they say, let me bleed on it. So let me go through my period first and assess to see if this is right. Um, so there's women that are practicing this via their intuitive, you know, knowledge, like their, their internal knowledge. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to bring awareness to it. And I thought it would be really awesome if I held a red tent at We All Grow and you yeah. attended. That's awesome fun. That was fun. So I know it kind of, you know, strayed from the subject of abundance, but I feel like it's, it's important for the audience to get to know you. And also, I don't know, I find that there's so many different interesting facets about who you are. You're definitely a woman that, um, is, is sort of firm and I see you as somebody who's firm and grounded in who she is and just embodies this sort of like goddess spirit. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like we, and, and some, I think we are coming into an age, at least, you know, where we are seeing more of the goddess energy around. And we're also embracing that in ourselves. So now, since we're going to move into the money subject, how did you, you know, from doing the podcast on, let's say the cycle of the moon and that whole part of your experience of your life and the spirituality and all that, how did you come to then um, start talking about um, creating abundance and teaching people about their relationship with money and healing uh, money stories? Yeah. So I felt like I had mastered every part of my life. Like I was healing and mastering parts of my life. I, I'll definitely never be a master. I will forever be the student, but I felt like I was at least graduating to new levels and understanding new things. 
But when it came to money, I continuously failed. Like I was creating what I felt to be very uh, receptive content. I mean, folks were, I would produce an event and sell out of tickets within 24 hours, but I didn't, I couldn't charge a lot. So I wasn't bringing in revenue. Most times I was just breaking even. And I just, when it came to that, I just had so many limitations and so many false beliefs. And I was imposing my own personal life experience in terms of poverty. I was imposing that on my audience. And who am I to say that my audience felt poor like me today? You know, I was lowering who they were just within me. And so therefore I wasn't able to like bring in revenue. And I was really open about this in my podcast at the same time, you know, you say there's, uh, you feel like there's a lot of facets to me. And I I agree at the same time, I had just left working, um, at Netflix. I had been there, not just, but recently, um, some time had passed working at Netflix. I had been there for some time and I had started to learn about investing in the stock market. So I started investing in 20, 20, I started to learn in 2012 and began uh, investing in 2013. And it was almost like that wasn't me. It was almost like it's a part of me, but it wasn't connected to me in some weird way. It was like this woman that would go in this rabbit hole and I was disconnected from her. Uh, She wouldn't tap into the money. Like I wouldn't use the money. It was just growing in the stock market. So you have someone that's like feeling very poor, but is also simultaneously learning about the stock market and investing in the stock market, which was interesting. I probably at the time had about $300,000 at the stock in the stock market while feeling poor. And I think I felt poor because the stock market was making that money for me. I wasn't doing anything to make that money. I I was having a hard time making money for me, revenue through my business. And so I was really open about myself not being able to make revenue and just struggling. And it it took on it took on to be part of the content. So my listeners went on this journey with me. Some could relate, some would you know, you, you've got to like hone in on abundance. You got to get there, you know? Um, and I started to really deep dive into the subject. And a lot of what I learned is that a lot of my limit limiting beliefs aren't my limiting beliefs are actually my mother's that I have adopted and implemented into my life. And so it was deciphering all of those beliefs And I started reading a ton of books surrounding abundance. And I read one book in in particular. I keep it on my desk. It's actually right here. It's called The Abundance Book, Super Tiny Little Book by John Randolph Price. And after reading this book, it was very clear to me that money is just an idea. That's all it is. Money is an idea. If you take a look around you right now, for those that are listening, you take a look at your surroundings. Everything around you costs money and everything around you was someone's idea. You are basically surrounded by the ideas of hundreds of people, if not thousands within your home. And that's all it is. And so that was so clear to me that while, yes, I might be 
uh, because I'm also a teen mom. <laughs> I have a 29 year old daughter. So yes, I could be in disadvantage because this happened to me when I was young and because I'm a Latina and because of where I live and just all of these things, I could make up all of these excuses. But one thing is for certain, I understood very clear that the even playing field were the ideas that I was able to receive. Nobody can come in between me and source energy, God, and my brain to come up with an idea. And so I started to think like, I'm going to have a million dollar idea. I'm going to have a million dollar idea. And I started to live in the space and search for my million dollar idea. And so that is what that was. It was like a light switch, like, like just like that. And I was able to let go of the, you know, uh, feeling the, the limitations that's at the same time, go ahead. Sorry. Like you were like focused. You started focusing on, you know, like focusing on the abundance, right? And focusing on having that idea. Because a lot of times, I I think with money, it's like we end up focusing on how we feel like we don't have enough, or like you, you know, our and our limitations. Whereas you already knew within yourself, it seems like that you had, you were abundant in all the ideas. And now you were just sort of stepping in into, into that space and saying, well, if it's linked to ideas and I have a ton of ideas that I must be linked in some, in some way as well to abundance. Yes, exactly. And I, I had a really great friend, her name, her, I, I, she's still my friend, Dari Luna. I don't know if you're familiar with Dari Luna, but Daddy, she channels and um, she gifted me a channel for my what I needed to hear in this moment. And it was back in 2017, the first one she did. And she said that my guides wanted me to look into understanding finance. And I was so annoyed. Oh, really? <laughs> I was so annoyed. <laughs> Like next level annoyed. Like my first thoughts were like, okay, this isn't for me. I, a lot of the things she said I, I resonated with, but that specific one, I'm like, this isn't for me. What does finance even mean? Like take accounting classes? Like I don't get it. It's not for me. So I like discarded it. And then a year later, she gave me another one. And she says, your guides want to know why you haven't done anything with finance. Like they asked this of you. They're still wanting you to seek finance. And I was like, they said, there's this Linda that is undressed and almost like vulnerable in every part of her space. There's like 12 Lindas lined up and all of them are, was vulnerable to take pieces of clothing off and standing there like a goddess. And there's this one Linda that's fully clothed and doesn't want to take her clothes off. And that's the Linda of finance. And she said, when you take off that clothes and become to become vulnerable and start to step into that power, you're going to free thousands of women from feeling the same thing that you're feeling now about money. Wow. When you do this, everything is going to change. And I was like, so you really, I need to learn. You're not, so it's not abundance. You're saying finance. <laughs> Meanwhile, remember, I'm investing in the stock market. Wait, wait, okay, so you what, what? who was teaching you to invest in the stock market? Or are you teaching yourself? Like, are you just going down this rabbit hole of research? Or like, are you at this point learning from somebody? How? Yeah, how is that happening? Uh, yes. So 
when I started working at Netflix, I had a colleague, a white male colleague, and he was like, have you started investing in Netflix? Have you started buying stock? And I think he could tell that I was really intimidated because I was. And I never, the stock market to me was very white, old man, uh, you know, Warren Buffett. I never saw like common folks talking about the stock market. I just felt like you had to have some kind of license or be an old white man to do it, to be quite frank, you know? And he really like remove, opened the door for me and he would educate me on it um, for about a solid six months. He would show me his portfolio, which was over a million dollars. And he was like, you have to understand that because you have exposure to technology and you work in a technology company, you know things that other people don't know. And so you can use that knowledge to invest in a company and make money from it. And, you know, I started to invest. I decided to invest $200, but I wanted to learn more. So after that, once he saw that I started investing, he kind of backed off like, okay, good. She did it. But I wanted to understand what the terms and the definitions meant. And I really wanted to understand it because it's not just as easy as putting $200 in a mark in a stock, which it is, but you have to know what you're doing or you can make big mistakes. And so I started self-teaching for the entire time. All those years, I would just self-teach and watch stocks. It, it was like a pastime for me. But again, it was like a pastime that I wasn't connected to. It was almost like I wasn't doing it. Wow. But you were still doing it. That's the good I was doing. It. There was a part of you that wanted to be there that was interested, but it's almost like you were negating the fact that you, that, that was a part of your life. You know, and here's what's interesting. A memory had come back to me in the mid, I think the memory came back the year, last year, where my high school teacher, when I was uh, 17 years old, she took a trip to New York. We went as students. I was competing in a marketing, um, like a marketing competition in high school. And they divided the group into two, they divided the group into two sections. And one group was going to go see the filming of Sally, Jesse, Raphael. And the other group was going to go to the stock market. And when I got chosen to go to be, I don't know why this is going to make me cry. Sorry. Thank you for sharing this. First of all, I shouldn't have been on that trip because all I had was $20. I was not in a good place. She actually paid for my trip. And I remember being so mad when I wasn't chosen to go to the Sally Jesse Raphael taping because I wanted to see what it was like to film a television show. You know, I mean, I never externalized my anger. It was all internal, but I remember being so angry and then I remember walking up to the steps to the New York Stock Exchange and feeling something like, whoa. And then I remember going into the stock exchange and seeing all the men and the energy. And I remember looking around and thinking, there's no women here. And I remember the bell ringing and the pink papers tossing and all of the information and the phones and the yelling. And I thought to myself, I don't fully understand what's happening here, but I know that what is happening in this 
building is affecting not just the United States, but the entire world. And so that it's destiny. It's, it was a seed. I don't know what it is. So yes, we come back. I'm doing all of this, like taking two to three hours to understand the stock market, but not really owning it, like not telling people that's for sure. I had two friends that knew, and that was it. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't public about it mainly because I feel like there's such a, a lot in our community, folks are so quick to judge when you're involved in anything that is like capitalism, um, or making money, making money. Yeah. I mean, unless you're talking to wealthy Latinos, but the majority of immigrants that come to the country, um, you know, to the United States, not the wealthy Latinos, they stay back home. <laughs> yes. So it's the ones that need to progress or they're, they're either leaving something, you know, and, and, and looking for abundance here in the United States. So, yeah. Yeah. Be intimidating for them. I think the whole, you know, and the scarcity mentality when you've grown up and, and seeing, seeing all scarcity, it's very challenging to sort of see the world through the eyes of abundance. Very. And that's exactly what all of my work is rooted in. While, yes, we have the vehicle that's very clear, that's the stock market, that is a very logical, um, mechanical system, but we make sure that the first thing we do is tackle the emotional scarcity because I can tell you all day step A through Z on how to invest. But if I don't address your limitations, your hate towards money, your belief that money is evil, your envy towards people that have money, if I don't, your your thoughts that m- people that have money are greedy, then you will never have money and you will never be able to overcome your limitations. That's just a fact. That's just what it is. Absolutely. It's absolutely. It's so interesting because it's like you see people that that want money, that live in scarcity, but at the same time, it's like they scoff at people who have it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they don't realize that they're pushing it away just by having that. Yeah, those those judgments uh, towards the people that are actually uh, that are actually, you know, wealthy or that have. That's very interesting. OK, so then. You, you had that seed planted. They were, you know, your friend told you your, your guys are wanting you to go into that aspect. When did you start embracing it and say, okay, well, maybe this is a, a possibility for me. Maybe I am interested in delving into this finance world. Yes. So I decide because I'm still dabbling in scarcity. I'm still working through this concept and ironing out like what, where are my limitations And for a while now, my intuition had been telling me that I needed to move to Texas. So we make the decision, we move to Texas. And when we move, everything kind of changes for me. I'm no longer genuinely interested in recording my podcast. There was something that was so emotionally draining about sharing my spiritual journey. I kind of felt like I've said what I needed to say and I've shared what I needed to share. And there's really not much for me to share in this specific area. I, we moved to Texas on pure faith. I was making like a thousand dollars on Patreon a month. My partner had, did not have a job out here. 
And we just rapidly started manifesting everything we needed. He landed a high pain. We moved into an apartment with, you know, obviously I had stock market money to sort of lean back on if we needed it. But despite all of our hardships, I never pulled that money out because I understood the importance of keeping money in the stock market for as long as you can. So I really protected that money there, but it was nice to know that it was there. So we were able to move out in faith and the money would just show up. It just started showing up for us. Like he landed a job that gave me the space to really think about what is next for me. And so it was right a few months before COVID. When COVID hit Italy, I knew right then and there that we were going to have an amazing opportunity in the stock market. I knew that we were headed for really hard times. I knew that a lot of people were going to die and it was going to get very scary and that we were going to get shut down out of logic. It was logic for me. I looked at it from, this wasn't my intuition speaking. This was a very logical scenario. I was like, you, we're not going to be able to control this. It's just, we're, we just have a, a, some time here before this hits And so I started to frantically call my closest family members and tell them, you need to open a stock market account because the stock market is going to tank as soon as COVID hits the United States and you need to invest. You can imagine how crazy I sounded in January. (laughs) Yes. Well, for people and, you know, because most people want to take out their money when when it tanks instead of investing it when and, you know, yes. you're supposed to buy low, like when it goes down, that's what you're supposed to buy. Exactly. Most people, when they have a portfolio and all of a sudden it goes down, they're like, oh shit, now I'm going to take my money out, which is the stupidest thing to do. Cause it's going to go right back up. Exactly. <laughs> like all I knew during the, this time, cause I don't manage my portfolio. I have a portfolio and I have stock, but I don't, I knew that, okay, it's going to go down, but I'm not going to look at it every day because I'm going to mm-hmm. go crazy if I do. And I know I have to ride this wave because it's for the, I always see it as something that's for the long term. For sure. Yeah. Yes. That's, wow. That's really interesting. Cause you were already like, okay, people let's make money. Come yes. on, open up yes. those accounts, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. And no one was listening to me. And so that was when I knew, oh, that's scarcity mindset. Of course, they're not going to listen to me. I spent six months not listening to my white colleague showing me a $1 million portfolio. Why the fuck are they going to listen to me with a $300,000 portfolio? You know, like I just felt like they're not going to listen. So, and I knew that that had nothing to do with me per se. I knew it had to do with scarcity mindset. So that's when I knew I have to take everything I've learned from my journey in Let There Be Lose and also understanding my parents being immigrants and working a ton of jobs and me believing that I needed to have a ton of jobs in order to make money, which is the opposite. Um, People that have more jobs never, ever make more money. Um, And so I really needed to process all of these you know, beliefs that I had adopted and uh, process them and then share them in a way so that people can reflect on their own limitations. So I started when my family didn't listen, I started to go onto my stories on Instagram. And I was shocked by the response that I got from so many people that actually wanted to learn more. They're like, what resources do you have? And I had been self-teaching myself since 2013, all the way to 2019. And I couldn't pinpoint a resource because 
it it was like so much time that had gone by. Not only that, but any book I read, I didn't understand. It was stop the book, Google the word. I had to probably Google two or three words in each sentence because I didn't understand. So it was really a process that I went through and it was like a second language to me. And so instead what I did was because I truly didn't have a resource to to give, I thought, what if I just did a, a workshop of how to do this? I started creating the workshop. It turned into a 10 hours worth of content. And wow. yeah, because it was so much, you know? And that's why when you probably realize like, oh my gosh, I've been, uh, I'm not like, I'm not a newcomer. I've been around the block in this. I know quite a bit. Did you surprise at how much you knew? I was shocked because I thought that I was going to do an hour long workshop. And as I started building the deck and going through the steps, I was like, oh, this isn't an hour. This is two day crash course, five hours each day. And it did give me confidence and it did help me step into that Linda that was like covering herself in clothes um, just like step into her goddess with finance and be like, I understand this from a perspective of a child of immigrants, from the perspective of someone who truly understands money scarcity and the importance of overcoming that. So let me share this resource, not from someone that's been privileged and doesn't understand us from our perspective, but it's me. Let me show you. And I put the course for sale and I was shocked with how much money I had made overnight. I think it was something like $23,000. And I was like, I think I had this moment of like, there's my million dollar idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I knew that it was not going to be the first time that I would teach this. And I knew that this was something that was going is like a foundation of my future, that this was going to be something that would turn into sort of like a legacy almost and would open the doors for new things. And right then and there, I knew I had a new business. I knew I figured out the next thing to do. I knew so much clarity came to mind. Wow. I love it. I love it. And then and then now you have a book coming out. Tell us. Tell us about your book. Yes. Like, that ideas bring up like, <laughs> I feel like it's been for you these last couple of years has sort of been like a lightning bolt, like a, choo -choo, you know, right. Does that it has for you. Yes, truly, truly. After so much time of a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's like all coming together. It's all making sense. So in October and November, I released my course in July so we're talking just a few months later in October and November, I have my agent and my publisher that one of the biggest agents, by the way, that represents Latinas um, writing books in the United States, like huge agent. Wow. Um, it, she and my publisher start to join my courses to spy on me. Yes. And they um, came once and then apparently they wanted to come back because I was doing these classes live and they wanted to come back and they came back and watched me again. And then, you know, shortly after that, my agent contact, contacted me and she said, I've taken your course a couple of times 
And have you ever thought of writing a book? And I was like, of course, not about the stock market, <laughs> but I have thought of writing a book for many, many years, at least 20 years, at least since the moment I read, I read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I knew that I wanted book. to write Oh my a book. gosh, that book has changed so many lives. Oh my goodness. Yes. And so I thought like, wow, if someone can change a life mm -hmm. with a book, exactly. I would, I would, I don't want my pain and my tragedy and my journey to go in vain. I would love to contribute that those words and those feelings for long after I die so that maybe I can change lives too. <laughs> so yeah, so I landed a book deal, which was huge. And you know, like, money and uh, and uh, the beauty about this is that a publisher came attached already so i had my agent and my publisher hand in hand ready to we want to do this which you know is very rare i think 1% it's like the people that get published is 1% and that's folks that write their what they want to write a book about and then they start to shop it so I don't know what the percentage is of someone that gets agent and publisher in hand saying, we think you have a book. It was such an incredible validating experience that they really believed that the course and what I'm teaching is so necessary in our communities that they wanted to help and further the reach. And it is so necessary. I can't say that. I don't think I can say that, like stress that enough. It is so necessary in our community. I think it's Very. time for for our community to step into abundance and wealth and to start not like stop shying away from this subject from finance. It's like, this is yes. the next frontier. <laughs> yes. I mean, especially if we want to secure easier lives for our children, you know, the truth is that education costs money, whether you pay that in taxes or whether you pay that you know, to have a specialty education, to, to have a private school or a different type of quality education. We already know that the school system, public school system is not necessarily in favor of us. And so sometimes we need to be able to, you know, obtain those sources. And a lot of the times we can't depend on someone else to obtain them for us. We have to figure out how to do it for ourselves. So we need yeah. to understand the way the system works. Absolutely. Private education is very expensive. I mean, both you and I have our children in private school. So we like, we understand, but we also yeah. see the value in that. And I always say money doesn't lie. Like where you, what you value, like you spend what you value. So if you value education, you're going to be spending on education. Yes, absolutely. And I, I am determined, like it was a very scary step for me initially, because again, we're watching this, I'm stepping into this abundance state and really living it within, you know, since 2020. So it, so, you know, having to make the commitment of, and not thinking, what if I don't have, you know, the funds for this the following month or the following year, and it's letting go of that and understanding to ask different questions, like, how can I have the funds for this for the coming year and so and so and, you know, we've been having him now in private education for three years. And I see my son and he's writing, he's reading fifth grader books, and his uh, the way he crit thinks critically and develops a perspective 
is absolutely incredible to see. And you see the payoff immediately. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I saw it too. As soon as I took my child out of public education and wow, it was like the, the, the first eight months after I did that, it was this huge leap in his education. I was like, wow, why, did I, why didn't I do this before? before? Why did I wait until middle school? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, sometimes you yeah. learn the hard way, but then you, you like, and sometimes it's scary to make those changes. Like you said, will yeah. I be able to afford the school? You know, you have all these different things and you just sort of have to follow. For me, it was like following my gut instinct when I took him out of the school. I was like, nope, even though the school's next door, even though it's free, even though it's A-rated, that's not what I know. It's, it's not in tune with me right now. And then I'm, now I'm going to have to drive because I drive like 40 minutes to take my kids to school. <laughs> Anyways, that's another topic. But, but it was the best decision. And I realized uh, convenience is not always the best thing. Yes, absolutely. So Linda, what's the name of your book? Where can we get your book so that we can support Latina authors like yourself? <laughs> yes. So the name of the book is Wealth Warriors and it's eight steps of com four communities of color to conquer the stock market. And we are currently pre-selling at Target, Barnes and Noble, um, that well, made me emotional, but also Amazon and also Walmart. <laughs> oh, okay. Mama, see, that's time to go get the wealth warriors, right? Wealth warrior. Yes. Awesome. Yes. By Linda Garcia. Go yes. get that. And are you going to keep on teaching your courses online? Where can everybody find you online for that? Absolutely. So we have an Instagram called at in loose L U Z we trust. And that Instagram will educate you on what is currently taking place in the market, in the stock market. We also sprinkle it with abundance mantras. And our website is www.inloosewetrust. And there you can find our courses. We have several courses, one on a deep dive into the stock market, our crash course, which is the one we started with, um, that gives you 10 hours of the stock market. It's amazing. It's a fan favorite. And then we have a course that is currently closed, but going to be open for enrollment later on this year. That's called Master Manifester, where it helps you identify your personal uh, relationship with money, understanding your limiting beliefs, how to rewire your brain and how to attract all of the things, all of the desires and come up with your million dollar idea. I love, um, I love that yes. because, you know, sometimes the things that we resist are the things that we want the most. And I think we all want like abundance, but sometimes it's one of those things that we're, we think we might be incapable of creating for ourselves. And so to just like break those boundaries and those blocks that we might have that come from, that might come from our generations. Like you said, you had those limiting beliefs from your mother. And like, I also had to take a look at my money story and see where were, where were my limiting beliefs coming from and what I thought I was capable of doing with money. And I'm still sort of like, I still feel like I'm sort of breaking my, my abundance limitations step by step. Yeah. I, I think that we will continue to, right. I think that when we achieve more money, you know, it's important for us if that is our desire to continue to it, to step into new levels and attract even more money, bring in more money, because 
it is so important to see wealthy AF Latinas, okay? So enough is not enough. <laughs> we oh, need yeah. Latinas that are extremely wealthy. We need Latinas that are distributing funds within our communities. We need Latinas that, you know, hire other Latinas. There's so much to be done with an abundance and wealth. And we need to see that within our communities. It is imperative. And if we don't learn about our relationship with money, if we don't learn how to invest, we just will never get there. It will not happen. Yes. I think one of the first steps is what you're doing, which is creating a community that talks about this and speaking openly about it. Because I think there's a lot of shame that's linked to money. And a lot of times people shy away from the conversations. And I think it's enough, like, it, you know, we can, it's not just talking about how we spend money, but like talking about how we create it. And usually yes. in the past, it was usually men that were always talking about that. And it's our turn, I think, as women to step into that space and start talking about how to create our wealth for ourselves, for our families, for, yes, for our community at large. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure to have you. You know, I think I'm going to go take your your um, your course because I so I have my portfolios but I have somebody that manages it right sure. but I'm kind of curious as to like delving it I don't know if I would be able to like manage all of my money I think that that would be kind of scary <laughs> but would it but it would be fun to sort of learn and start delving in that world more and getting to know yes in general just like how how does it happen like how do you, you know Go yeah, ahead. you know, it's really interesting. And I think you being in this position, what I would advise, I think it would still be extremely beneficial to learn. I think you're right. That instinct is correct. Here's the thing. Folks that manage portfolios, accountants, finance people, they still have money stories. No one escapes the money story. No one is, escapes the money wound. And a lot of the times when you start learning about investing, you start to see maybe you can push back a little or ask the proper questions as like, why aren't we doing this instead? Or, you know, you can start to like sprinkle in some input into where your money is being uh, invested in. So I think that's where I would see it very beneficial for someone that has a portfolio manager. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's like, the more you know, the better, the more, you know, and, and the more confidence you have to ask the questions. Because sometimes yes. you don't know, you shy away from questions because you think you're going to sound stupid. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mamacita. Check Linda Garcia out. Go buy her book now on Amazon, Walmart, and all those other places. All, muchísimo éxito, Linda. And we'll Gracias. Hey, it's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it, or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras Latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas.com. 
You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote. Don't be a mama con drama. Mm -mm. Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos. Besitos.